sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. I hope by now you are not burnt out on news and information about the war in Ukraine. We Americans tend to, you know, we get all excited and then we move on. But for those with family ties and personal ties to the region, there's no moving on. And so this show, I am entitling Christian Nationalism Russian Style. We're going to take a look at a little different issue involving the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. And my guest today is an old and dear friend, Dr. Alexander Bolotnikov, who is a Seventh-day Adventist pastor and evangelist. He was born in Kiev and has very close ties, family and otherwise, to the region, to the churches, to the pastors in the region. He has a, a very well-attended what do you call it, uh, a blog or, or a, a webinar, seminar in the Russian language that... YouTube channel and Facebook page. For Russian speakers, that gets a lot of interest from both Ukraine and Russia, I understand, yes? From all parts of the world, because that's in, uh, there are many Russian speakers in North America and in Western Europe and in Israel, so basically... Well, anyway, Sasha... Welcome back to Freedom's Ring. We're titling this Christian Nationalism Russian Style because Putin has styled Russia as the true defender of Christian civilization and that Russia is uh, the one upholding Christian values. And yet those are rather selective Christian values, especially as it pertains to Christians in the areas that Russia occupied of Ukraine going back to 2014. What is the experience of Christians under Russian domination there in the eastern part of Ukraine? Um, it was very interesting uh, because uh, for me, when this all events that led to this current war took place uh, starting from uh, late 2013, I was uh, very ambivalent about uh, all these things happening because Kiev always had all kinds of political turmoil. So when I was looking at these uh, demonstrations that were happening in the capital, I didn't really pay attention. Then uh, the regime of Yanukovych fell, and uh, I didn't pay much attention to that. And then um, the Crimea was annexed and the parts of what is known as Donbass, which is uh, the two uh, eastern uh, regions of Ukraine, Donetsk and Luhansk, kind of uh, that's how uh, some press uh, presented it. They just seceded from Ukraine some, and created these two people republics, people republic of Donetsk and uh, people republic of Luhansk. Um, and so everything... Uh, seem to be just political uh, and uh, not very interesting for me as a pastor and evangelist until 
the situation with religious freedom drastically changed in those areas uh, because uh, these new authorities, uh, the new governments of these new independent republics began to confiscate uh, Protestant and evangelical church buildings. Particularly, uh, they closed uh, the church building uh, buildings completely. They, they confiscated the church building in the town, in the, it's a huge, large town of uh, uh, Horlivka, and they uh, severely limited the uh, freedom of uh, meetings in all other towns in so-called People's Republic of the Nets, uh, at least as uh, I know for Seventh-day Adventist Church. For some other evangelical churches, it came even worse. It's uh, it's very known fact that number of uh, Pentecostal pastors were arrested and thrown into prisons, and uh, uh, the local authorities uh, kept saying that the only uh, church uh, that is allowed, that is legitimate here in this territory, is the Russian Orthodox Church. In the People's Republic of Luhansk, they completely shut down, at least for Seventh-day Adventist Church, the operation of the church in the territory of the People's Republic of Luhansk is illegal. Now, when you say these people's republics, are they independent or are they clearly under Russian political control? For the past eight years, uh, Russia has completely denied any involvement or any control <laughs> in these republics and presented them as uh, independent. This situation as the will of the people of who just don't want to be with Ukraine and they don't want to speak Ukrainian language. And in Russian press, there was a huge information campaign telling how these people suffered under Ukrainian oppression, and now these republics are free. You would not be repeating Russian propaganda now, would you? I know you too well to know that you do not appreciate Russian propaganda. That's <laughs> why I was speaking very sarcastically. <laughs> okay, well, I just want that to be very clear for our listeners that... Uh, I was very sarcastic quoting what the typical Russian media says about what's going on. Uh, the same Russian media that says that this is a special operation in Ukraine and not a war, right? Yeah, yeah. It's very legal uh, to say that um, there is a war going on in Ukraine. Right. And when the missiles and uh, bombs started falling on Ukrainian towns, honestly, when I look at the first day of, of this uh, uh, Russian aggression, and especially their advance toward Kyiv and what they were doing, it reminded me of my mom's uh, stories. Actually, it was my mom's story. was my grandma. My mom was only two years old when the World War II reached uh, Soviet Union. And on June 22, 1941, uh, Hitler attacked Soviet Union and uh, carpet-bombed uh, cities in Ukrainian part of Soviet Union and Belarusian part of Soviet Union. And I grew up hearing these stories. I grew up hearing how my grandma had to evacuate my mom and my uncle who were children 
using the train, how the train was bombed. So all these stories came back into my memory and I saw a huge similarities to what was going on. And when I spoke about this, my colleagues in Russia told me that if I keep making comparisons between special operation and World War II, it will put the Adventist Church in Russia in grave danger. So since 2014 then, the Protestant churches, Baptist, Pentecostal, Adventist churches have not been able to function at all in the Russian-occupied parts of eastern Ukraine? Yeah, as I repeat, uh, the People's Republic of Luhansk, so the, any activity of Seventh-day Adventist Church is absolutely illegal, but in the People's Republic of Donetsk, some activity is allowed, but very limited. You told me a story, I don't know if you feel free to repeat it publicly, about how an Adventist pastor was treated when uh, he challenged the seizure of his church property, I believe. Yeah, the president of the conference. So the top administrator for the church. Yes, at this time there was what is called an Eastern Conference that encompassed these two Ukrainian regions, Donetsk region and Luhansk region. And the office of the conference was in the city of Donetsk. And as soon as that church building was confiscated, the president of the conference came to the new authorities and tried to negotiate with them what's going on, what's wrong, and uh, ask them to return the building and allow the services to be held. Um, the, he was arrested at the gunpoint was uh, threatened, uh, was accused to be an American spy, and uh, barely survived execution, barely survived not being executed because they threatened to really put a bullet in his head without any court or anything. And it happened to the president of the conference twice. Uh, on a second occasion, he went to Kiev to drive in his van uh, to the Bible Society to get Bibles. So he loaded the Bibles he needed to carry back to Donetsk because they were running evangelistic efforts. Uh, and he was arrested by the uh, new local police and accused of being Ukrainian spy. And the van and the Bibles were confiscated. Well, so much for religious freedom. We have, you know, in the past done shows on uh, Russian laws restricting religious freedom in Russia proper, in particular the persecution of Jehovah Witnesses, and to some extent, I think, Baptists as well. In Russia proper, Seventh-day Adventists have largely managed to avoid severe restrictions from the state. Isn't that true? Yes, it is true. Uh, the no significant persecution yet happened to our church in Russia, although the authorities uh, called upon uh, the church leaders and uh, specifically told the church leaders to be very, very careful and warn them that our church is being carefully watched by the authorities and the authorities, security services do know what's going on in our church. And because it is well known that our church has connection 
with unfriendly nation of America. And so that's what's been reported to me, but, uh, you know, no uh, severe religious restrictions have been made. Uh, but I have to say that if you compare Russia and Ukraine in regard to specifically religious freedom, uh, Russian, the religious freedom in Russia was always limited, and these limitations go back to Yeltsin's time to the special law in 1998. Particularly in 1998, the parliament, uh, state Duma, passed a legislation uh, limiting religious freedom, uh, very specifically in the introduction to this law, which they call religious freedom, but it actually limits religious freedom. In the introduction to this law, uh, it says that taking into account a very special role of Russian Orthodox Church in the Russian mm -hmm. society, right. we want to regulate the freedom of religion. And in Ukraine, we're out of time, but Ukraine has had more religious freedom than Russia? Uh, there was never any uh, statement by any law or any government about any church in Ukraine that has a predominant role. Every church in Ukraine has equal status and freedom to do whatever they basically want. So as we close, let me return to the theme of Christian nationalism. The genius of the American Constitution was in completely separating church and state and not providing any particular support for religion in general or a particular religion. And what happens when a particular religion is favored? Well, we've seen it in the persecution of other Christians in the eastern parts of Ukraine. Our guest today, my old friend, Dr. Alexander Bolotnikov, thanks for being with us on Freedom's Ring today. As always, friends, this has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.